Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I'm Dan Day. Give me a follow on Twitter at Dan Day Radio, and you can download the podcast for this show or any show that you hear on this radio station by going to wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free. You can download the radio.com app, or you can go to our website, wqam.com. Let me give you the lineup that you hear weekdays on this radio station. In the mornings, it's the Joe Rose Show from 6 to 10. Then it's followed by Dan Levitard's show from 10 to 1, 1 to 3, Stephen A. Smith and Hawk and Crowder from 3 to 6. Then from 6 to 7, the show you're listening to right now, the best of the Joe Show. We're going to get to all that in just a few, but right now, let's do some headlines. Josh Rosen has been named the Dolphins' starting quarterback. Also, the team has picked up defensive end Taco Charlton. The Finns and Cowboys face off this Sunday at 1. NFL action tonight will see Tennessee take on Jacksonville. While in the college ranks, it's Houston versus Tulane. The 99-loss Marlins lost yesterday 5-4 to to the D-backs. They are back at it in Miami tomorrow against the Nationals. First pitch is at 7-10. Dwayne Wade has put his Miami mansion on sale. Price tag, $32.5 million. Heat begin NBA play October 23rd against Memphis. Tonight at 7, the Panthers continue preseason play in Montreal against the Canadiens. Listen to it here on 560 The Joe WQAM. The Canes look to even their record at 2-2 two two this Saturday when they take on Central Michigan here in Miami at 4. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. Ohio deputies recently pulled over an Amish buggy and discovered a case of Michelob Ultra and a huge stereo system. Can someone say Rumspringa? And this past weekend, a man donning a send money for beer sign at ESPN's college game day has now raised over $20,000. He says the money will be donated to charity, so his liver is safe for now. And now, on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for partly cloudy skies with temperatures in the low 80s. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. John's all day long and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Nobody gets you going in the morning like the Joe Rose Show earlier today. Those guys were talking with Michael Lombardi about the Dolphins game plan, their draft order, also discussing Eli, 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 backups, and let's get less scouts. Michael, thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. The big topic down here in South Florida, uh, the Dolphins' rebuild of, uh, and recently, of course, with Minka Fitzpatrick for a first-round pick. What do you think about the game plan of the Miami Dolphins going forward? I think the key operative word that you used is plan, right? And so oftentimes most organizations in the NFL hope they're going to turn things around. They don't plan to turn things around. And there's an old saying that says, Never confuse hope for a plan. And I think they naturally have a plan. I mean, they're, you know, too often, and I wrote about this in my book, Good Iron Genius, too often teams, organizations think, hey, if we just get a better, a better uh, wide receiver, we get a better running back, we're going to be really good. No, no. you got to build an organization that's, that's constructed with the right people 
with the right players. It's not the most talented team that wins. It's the it's the best team that wins, the team that plays together. And I think this is the plan. Look, Fitzpatrick, you know, we can say what we want. I think, to be honest with you, and I've read all the stuff about online, how he was the cleanest player in the draft. Yeah. And he was a dominant player. I can't find it on the tape. So, you know, I don't know what tape people are watching. Pittsburgh gave up a really risky pick. If that was an NBA trade, if Pat Riley was making that trade, he would have lottery protected that pick for for Pittsburgh. That's true. It could be as bad. You know, listen, we already know where the Dolphins are hopefully going to be drafting. But if Pittsburgh, uh, with that backup quarterback, doesn't have a good season, Dolphins could be picking twice in that first 10. You never know what could happen there. I do agree with you there. And Minka was praised a lot. And he did play, listen, at that at that nickel corner last year, I know he was one of the highest rated guys, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, but once a guy can wants it. stop you there? Yes. Can I stop you there? Yes. Uh, you and I could sit in a room with, 20 NFL head coaches, and we could watch coverages on television. We could watch coverages on the tape, and we could have 20 NFL coaches, and I promise you not any of the 20 coaches is going to really be accurate with the description of the coverage. Coverages in the NFL are the most complicated thing you can talk about, how it's, de- how it's deciphered, how it's broken down. So for an organization who's not in the building to evaluate coverages – and then grade the player based on their evaluation of the coverages is really two misleading in, two misleading variables, which leads you to a, a completely false variable. So it's like I read about these people that talk about coverage on Twitter, and I laugh because you could be in a room. I had a guy from ESPN. Uh, I flew him out to Oakland when I was with the Raiders, and I said, okay, you've graded all these Raider players in coverage. Let's sit down and watch the tape. Let's go over the coverage here. And let's let me decide what you think you know about our coverage. He didn't know anything. He didn't know anything. And an hour after the meeting, I sent him home. So that that whole thing yeah. to me is completely wrong. Okay, Michael, let let, let me ask you uh, another question about all the the things that the the Dolphins are doing right now. The quarterback position. A lot of people think. Do we know what order these guys are? Or, or we got is Tua the lock to be the number one pick? Or is there still a lot of work to be done before we decide? Who the best quarterback is? I think there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't, Joe. I don't think it's really clear. I think you can't begin with the end in mind. I think you got to take some time and kind of work your way through it and see where this lands up. I, I didn't like Herbert in the first game of the year. I thought the offense. I thought Cristobal was sprinting him out. When you sprint a quarterback out and you cut the field in half for him, you're telling your opponent, you're telling everybody that he can't read the whole field. That you want him to high low read things. You want to make it really easy for him. And that he can't do that. That was concerning to me. Because if you have a great quarterback, you drop him back five steps, seven steps, whatever it is, and read half the field, but throw, but use the entire field to make plays. And they didn't do that in that game. That worried me. Now, I need to watch more, and you need to keep going. Two easy runs an offense that I think you know is conducive to what's in the pros. His movement, his quickness, his athleticism is certainly going to allow you to be successful. So right now I would say Tui looks to be the better player, but I think we need more time. All right, um, let's talk about Jalen Ramsey for a second here. Says he wants to be traded. If they get a first-round pick, it, it's just not enough for as good as this guy is. How do you feel about Jalen Ramsey? How would you handle it if you're in Jacksonville's front office? Well, I think this. I think, you know, I wrote about this on the website called The Daily Coach, which I write every morning. And, and, and when a player complains like this, that's really, you know, Mika to me was a different situation. This guy's been talking about this for a while. It's really about there's a lack of culture in Jacksonville, and I think they need to get it squared away. As for the value, you know, you've got two years left on a contract. You've got this year 
plus you've got his option year next year. And then you're going to have to pay him a ton of money. You give up uh, you give up multiple number one picks. You're giving up two number one picks plus a ton of money, and you're getting a player that probably is never going to be happy. So I think he's a really good player, don't get me wrong. I wish that I wish he was easier to deal with and easier to manage. And that might be just a reflection of what Jacksonville does. I'm not sure about that. I don't know the kid personally. So but he's going to get more than a first round pick, there's no doubt. Would you play him tonight if you were if you were Jacksonville? Would, would you? That's a great question. You know, all these rumors about him, you know, somebody had a rumor that two teams, one from the AFC, one from the NFC, offered first-round picks. If that were true, he wouldn't be playing tonight. Right. If that were true, no he wouldn't right. be playing tonight. You know I mean? That, that's why people on Twitter just crack you up. They can say anything <laughs> they want, and then there's nothing to back it up, you know? It's like, oh, he's got, you know, two teams have a first-round. No, of course. I mean, why would you play him if he did? Totally agree. Hey, uh, the other topic, Eli Manning. And, of course, everybody's got an opinion on Eli, and I don't care about the Hall of Fame stuff. But, Eli, get rid of him, trade him, or let him be the backup, and, and you trust him because he's a character guy that helped Daniel Jones get better. Which one do you fall under? Well, I think, look, I think that there's two words that are really the probably the worst words in the English language, and it's too late, too late to make a decision, too late to react. And I think that this is the Giants with Eli. I mean, over the since the, since the ill-fated boat trip to Miami – the Giants are eight and twenty-six. That's with Eli at quarterback. You're not a franchise quarterback if you're eight and twenty-six. I think the Giants are two years late, really, removing Eli from the starting quarterback job. That being said, you got to keep him as a backup. I mean, his cap number's huge. It's cost you more money to trade him. You might as well just hold on to him. I mean, just a month, two months ago, right after the draft, they were talking. Dave Gettleman and John Mara were talking about giving an extension to him. So, God. if that's the case, you know, obviously they didn't see his decline like I saw it, and most of America did. You know, we learned, Michael, from that. Don't let your wide receivers come down to Miami. It's never, <laughs> never a good place. That boat, that That's boat with those babes down there is not good. Not a good combination. Now when no, you bring half no, the wide receiver to, core with you. Too, too many distractions. Which yeah. I think is, you know, you know, we laugh about this, right? If I were the president or GM of the Dolphins, to me, you got to build the right kind of team in Miami because there's a lot of distractions down there. You can get in a lot of trouble. So you better make sure you have players that love the game of football and just don't love what football gives them. South Beach does it to you, Mike. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> Not good for the NFL, Mike. Big Ben, Breeze, even the Eli situation, Sam Darnold with Mono, uh, Nick Foles, all these quarterbacks out. We got a lot of backups. We had a guy in Charlotte that literally me and Joe the other day had to go, who's that? Who might be starting this week for Cam Newton? Like this, this isn't good for the NFL, right? All these backups coming in. Well, I think if one of them emerges as a good player, I think Mason Rudolph could emerge as a really good player. I mean, Kyle Allen from Texas A&M. I mean, we'll see what he could do. I think I think it's smart for 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 Carolina to get Cam off the field. Cam can't run. If Cam can't run, what effectiveness does he have? You know, you lose that. So. Look, I think there's a chance for some of these younger players to take a foot, take a step forward and play well. I think Rudolph played well last week, and, and when he filled in in Seattle, had an interception that got tipped out of, out of the receiver's hands. So, you know, one guy comes, another guy comes. That's the beautiful thing about the NFL is the uniforms typically don't change. The players' names on the back do, and there's always new stars being born every day. Yeah, no, you're right. You know what? It seemed to me, Mike, I don't know if you saw it. Cam's not throwing the ball like he used to either. It's not coming no, out of his no. hand the same way. It's nothing about Cam's the same way. I mean, since the MVP season, and I mean, we talk about this. I mean, it's really a problem. I mean, when when you sit there and look at it, it's really a problem. I mean, he's not really throwing the ball very effectively. He doesn't move very well. And, you know, I think he's hurt. And I thought he was hurt at the beginning. I saw When I saw the preseason game against the Patriots, I didn't think he was healthy. I was concerned about him then. 
and I'm still concerned about him. I mean, David Tepper, the new owner, came out this past January and said that, hey, we're going to protect our franchise. We're going to make sure he's healthy. And I think that's the reality that's set in. You know, Ron Rivera is worried about his job security, understandable. And so he's trying to get his best right. players on the field. But Tepper's got to worry about his franchise. And I think that's what he's doing. Michael, we've had some strange stories in football. You've been around and seen some things that never get out and stuff. But we were talking about a former first-round pick of the Miami Dolphins. Vontae Davis quit at the end of the second quarter. And when I said, he said, I'm done, he meant it. He left at halftime and never came back with the Buffalo Bills. Can you top that one? Michael, is there anything that you can top with? That's, that's a no, tough one. I mean, I've been in the league 35 years. I've never seen a guy just – I've never seen a guy put the white flag up at halftime. I've seen a guy <laughs> probably – you know, like I've seen guys quit and they kept trying to play and and you know and do all that. I mean, there's a, there's a couple teams in the league right now that basically have stopped playing. And even though they're not, even though those seasons only two games old, but that's a topper. I think you're, that's almost like if I were to write that in a novel, I don't think people <laughs> would believe it's actually true. No, of course it wouldn't. The guy quitting at absolute no. halftime. All right, as someone who sat in that in that front office in the in the in the in the chair or next to the chair of the GM, making player personnel decisions and building teams and helping build teams. If I told you at the end of this season you're going to have maybe 13 draft picks, maybe even more, and 130 million dollars, and you're going to rebuild this entire team, this is a GM's dream, right? To have all this in front no, of them? No doubt, and I would use everything. I would go to I would go to uh the owner and I would say, "Look, we need to invest a ton of money into everything that we can possibly do to make sure we hit on these picks, whether it's the evaluation of the character, right. whether it's the evaluation. I mean, I'm going to make sure I'm going to Stephen Ross and say, look, we got to do everything we can. And I don't, that doesn't mean we need more scouts. Actually, I think we need less scouts because I think too many opinions create a situation where you pick the wrong player. Too many opinions of people that really don't understand pro football only dilute the product. They don't make it better. But you could really enhance it with the right mechanisms that you use, whether it's through analytics, whether it's through evaluation, through character assessment, all those things. I'm glad you brought that up because if there's been one weakness, and I think you said that on purpose, Michael. I'm getting where I know you a little bit. We've done a terrible job off the field of finding out about guys that we draft and we pick up in free agency. Terrible. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, look, the, the first rule of scouting, Joe, is this. We need to find out more about the players before we pick them than after we pick them. That's right. the first rule, rule of scouting. And when you, you know, and so when you violate that rule, which the former president of that team down there just lived in that rule the whole time. I mean, he never did that. So when you do that, you're never going to have a very successful draft. And, and with that all said, by the way, Going into this next offseason, Chris Greer, I know he's got $130 million. I know he's got 13, 14. It could be 30 draft picks when it's all said and done. But that number one pick, if that's number one overall, that quarterback, that's going to be whether he keeps his job or not in two years, right? There's no doubt. Right. I mean, but look, I mean, David Caldwell up in Jacksonville drafted Blake Bortles. Go through David Caldwell's top five picks up in Jacksonville, and he's maintained his job. So sometimes jobs in the NFL are more political than they are productive. Yeah. No, that's true, too. Michael, we've seen it all. That calls for about six beers with you one night. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's that, Wait, look, anytime you want, we'll do it in South Beach, you know? That's right. I mean, that would be awesome. You right? and I out on the beach. I, I can make a boat trip. I don't have to play that week. I don't either. Hey. Hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Six beers in South Beach sounds good. It's just I don't want to be the one paying. Might cost you $150. Nobody does it like Joe Rose and the guys in the mornings. Once again, you can download the podcast, wqam.com, radio.com app. 
or you can simply go wherever you get your podcasts for absolutely free. Up next, Dan Lebitard going to be talking with Fergie's ex-husband. It's the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. It is Dan Day. Go ahead and give me a follow on the old Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. Speaking of Dan's, Dan Lebitard, weekdays right here on 560 The Joe WQAM from 10 to 1. Earlier today, he was talking to Fergie's ex-husband, Josh Demel. He's an actor talking MLB bunting, Christina Aguilera, and prognostication. So now we bring in Josh Demel uh, to to help right the ship here because the Naked Cowboy was two and three, and I'm sorry you have to follow the Naked Cowboy. You're a much bigger celebrity <laughs> than the Naked Cowboy, Josh. But thank you for being on with us. Can you fix all of this for us, please? Well, I'm going to do my best, Dan. I'm going to do my best. But first of all, Coach Leland. He's gone. He's, he's gone. gone. He's, he's gone. gone. He's not here anymore. You want us to call him back? We'll call I mean, him back. We'll call him back. Call him back. You want to ask? At the end, we'll have you ask him a question. I know he's gone, but what I'm saying is you got 100 chances. Yeah, you'd probably be afraid of the first few, but you could get a bunt down at 100 chances. My, My man! man! Yeah! <laughs> My man! Why would he be so confident? I mean, it's not, it's not like you're asking to hit a, you know, a, a triple... Josh, Josh, you have spent a lifetime being confident, okay? I understand why you think that you can do everything. The people in this room cannot do everything or anything. They can't get a sentence out right. None of us. I'm telling you, Dan, they could get a bunt down. They had 100 chances they could do it. Exactly. We get lucky. Exactly. You want to come down and do it with us, Josh? I'd love to. All right. Yeah! So, basically, we've got Tim Kirkshin, Boog Shambi, and Jim Leland telling you no, and Elmo, Jeff Passant, but Josh Dumel says that you can. I believe yeah. in you. Thank you. We're just looking for anyone, Dan. <laughs> we found them. Uh, when was your big break, Josh? Like uh, it was. It, it was how much before uh, you know Genie in a Bottle? Well, that was probably my first job in Los Angeles. I was a. I was an extra in the Dina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle video. Yes, that's true. You've done your research, Dan. I appreciate that. You're beautiful, uh, though. That's else? why. That's how you got into that video, right? Because you're just yeah, sitting. But listen, it, you could watch that video a hundred times. And probably never see me. It's literally point seven second clip of me jumping over this fence, and that's it. So I'm not really in the video. I was in it, but not really. Uh, so was it after that? Then did somebody discover you from there? Or were you discovered after that? Uh, what was it? I got a job in New York shortly after that on uh, All My Children. I was on All My Children for three years in New York, and then I got Las Vegas when I came back to L.A. So you know, it was it was a lot of beating the streets for years, but you know, once it started rolling, I was able to keep it going. Were you any good as a model? Terrible. That's why I only did it for about seven months. Why were you terrible at it? It's a lot harder than you think, man. So's it's bunting. Hard to, it's, hard to sit there. it's hard to sit there and pose for a camera if you're not comfortable doing it. Have you ever tried? I'm sure you've tried it. I was terrible at it. Yeah, Dan's <laughs> bad at it, too, now. I, yes, I would be bad at it, too. I just love, though, that if I if I asked you, which do you think Josh Dumel is better at? Uh, it, is it bunting or modeling? Wouldn't you think yeah. he would say modeling? Uh, he might say bunting. I have a lot more self-confidence with a bat in my hand than I do a hammer <laughs> in my face. Are you, uh, are you ready to pick some games for us here? Stugatz has a question, Let's but are it. you ready to pick some games for us here? Let's do it. Well, Josh, before we get to the games, I'm wondering, am I reading this correctly? Because you have to tell this story. You mistakenly smoked marijuana on the set of Spaceman? The very first day of shooting. It's about 7.30 in the morning. I'm in my old VW van. Uh, it was a very low-budget movie, but the movie actually turned out really well. Anyway... First day of shooting, 8 a.m., and the props guy brings out this bag, which normally is like oregano or whatever. 
So I roll a joint, I start smoking it in this scene, and I realized shortly after this was like real, like strong marijuana. So I had to do the whole first half of that day high as a kite, which is <laughs> which is very method. Bill Spaceman Lee spent most of his time high back then. It was perfect. Really getting into Gary. And how how did you do? <laughs> how did I do what? As an actor, like how did you do high? I thought it was good. You know, sometimes I do my best work high. How was lunch that day? I, I kid, I kid. I don't, I don't typically do that, Dan. I really don't. Chris was asking you how wonderful the uh, the the cuisine was that afternoon. How wonderful the cuisine was? The yes. lunch, your lunch, Lunchies. was it delicious? Yeah, I couldn't stop. <laughs> and now it is time for celebrity prognosticator. Let's win some money. Baltimore at Kansas City. Kansas City is minus six and a half. Who you got? I'm going to go with Baltimore. I think they keep it close. I don't know if they win the game, but I think they keep it close. You dare to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Mike Ryan has said that America should stop doing that. Detroit at Philadelphia. Philadelphia minus six. Who you got? I'm going to say Carson bounces back from an off week last week. Um, my boy from North Dakota is going to not only cover, but I think he's going to come back strong and, and win by about 20. Oakland at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota's minus nine. Minnesota's your team, right? Yep. Big Vikes fan. Uh, we should have won that game last week. Cousins needs to get his you-know-what together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think we do come back strong this week and beat the Raiders by about... Put us next to you when Cousins throws that interception in the end zone. Where are you? What's happening? Oh, my God. Well, I was actually on my way. I had to work last Sunday, but I'd watched the whole game up until about halfway through the fourth quarter, and then I... So I'm following it on my phone. And it's just the guy's it's not that he doesn't have talent, he just doesn't win games in the clutch and he needs to like get, he needs to figure that out. You don't throw an interception on the five yard line, yeah. you know, you don't throw in a triple coverage and lose the game. It's just stupid. You are good, man. <laughs> Denver at Green Bay, Green Bay a seven and a half point favorite. Who you got? Who is it? Denver at Green Bay? Yes. I'm gonna go with Denver. I think Flacco comes back and does the same thing. Oh my After god. Wow. Oh my god, wow. you're believing in Flacco. That is dangerous, Josh. Or seven and a half points. Your picks. It's not so much I believe. It's not so much I believe in Flacco. It's more about me using all of my juju to, to condemn the Packers into a loss. Okay, very good. Uh, so that's you don't even believe what you're saying. You simply want the Packers to lose because you're a Vikings fan. Purely what I want. Okay, we're trying to win. Here. All right. Well, then maybe that's the way to do it because the way we've been doing it right. isn't working. New Orleans at Seattle. Seattle minus four. Who you got? Uh, Bridgewater's at QB now with the Saints, right? Yep. Yep. Maybe unless um, they. Yeah. I mean, mostly. And then, and then it's in. I'm going to go Seattle. I think that. I think that they win big. Uh, Josh, thank you. Hopefully you have a winning week and we can have you on uh, back again next week. Last time you were on here, I should probably apologize for this, because the last time you were on, we weren't around here. And this is what actually happened during our, well, wasn't our conversation with you. It was Ryan Hollins having a conversation with you. Josh, you're going to have to forgive me for this, because I'm going to ask you a real edgy question. Okay. But I'm going to, you are my guy, okay? Go Do for not it. forget, you're my guy. You might be on my wall at home, okay? okay. You're right. my guy. I love it. You're my guy, too. You're on my wall. This hurt my feelings as a real fan, and I know that it wasn't meant to be taken in this way, but I felt like in the Transformers before, there were some robots that said some real 
I, I, as an African-American male, I felt said some taken as racist and edgy things or just the way that they spoke was supposed to be, I guess, in a sense of an African-American or depict a hip-hop culture. And I was like, that is so not uh, what hip-hop is. And I'm not saying that it was meant in that way, but it personally, my feelings were hurt. Now, I can't speak for everybody else, but I just felt like it was a bad, uh, a bad take. I don't know if they came off as entertaining, but as an African-American male, uh, me, myself, I was taken back by that, but I still love the series. Maybe can you break that down? I'm sure you've heard about it too, or had some, you know, possibly some small backlash from it. Oh, come on, man. I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, how, we're talking about robots. How could we possibly make this racist? Okay. No. I, I, I'm sorry, Josh. Yeah, I we, just, we've been meaning we, to apologize. We, we just want to apologize to you, okay? I mean, first of all, it took him 10 minutes to get his point out. I'm like, dude, stop. Just stop. I like Josh DeMille. I like his ex-wife, Fergie, too, for different reasons. And I like Dan Lebitard. You can hear him from 10 to 1 right here, 560 The Joe on weekdays. Somebody else I like, Alex Dono. He's in the house right now. What are you doing here, bro? Hello, Dan Day. I'm working on the Panthers broadcast tonight. Big preseason hockey this evening. The Cats are in Montreal. I'm back in the saddle doing pregame intermissions post this evening. So I'm pumped and I'm happy to see you. You're looking great, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Stepped into the day spa earlier. <laughs> Somebody the other night said, man, you guys represented for the dive bars so well. So if there's any dive bars listening, Dono and I are back representing for you. Absolutely. And uh, a shameless plug, it's my birthday. So I'm, I'm looking to do some drinking over the weekend coming up. Dive bars, look out for Alex Dono and Dan Day. We're going to live it up 7 o'clock. Am I correct for the pregame? Yes, sir. 7 o'clock tonight. Doug Plagans will be on the call. He's up there uh, getting ready to go at the Bell Center. Florida Panthers, Montreal Canadiens tonight. Real quick, you are a Twitter guru. I am at Dan Day Radio. What is your Twitter handle? Very easy, at Alex Dono. If you can spell my last name, you got it, D-O-N-N-O. So at Alex Dono is where you find me. One of the best follows that you are going to find at Alex Dono on Twitter, and hopefully you will find him at a dive bar this weekend celebrating his birthday. Buy him a beer. You got it? I got it. All right, get ready for that pregame but before that we got Stephen a smith on the way here on the best of the joe show it's the best of the joe show running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours ah oh, the coat hangers reliving the glory that was their concert last night at gramps in winwood stopped by jay wakefield grabbed a couple beers and drank some cheap beer and rocked out to the coat hangers i love them Another guy I love is Stephen A. Smith. That guy preaches sports daily right here on 560 The Joe WQAM from 1 to 3. If you missed him earlier today, of course he was ranting. Of course he was raving. Talking about Jalen Ramsey hype. Is it really Jalen Ramsey or is it really Tom Coughlin? And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey. No comparison to Antonio Brown. Jalen Ramsey and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Why? Because it's Thursday night football. That's why. Why? Because when it comes to Thursday night football, the Tennessee Titans are scheduled to go up against um, the Jacksonville Jaguars tonight, game three of this NFL season. It's a home game uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars who are, who are 0-2 and find themselves in somewhat desperate situations. The Jacksonville Jaguars have only won two of their last 14 games. The Jacksonville Jaguars, less than two years removed, from an from an AFC championship game against the New England Patriots are now considered to be a, a relatively dormant franchise, a franchise that's simply not getting the job done. 
And the name Tom Coughlin comes to mind, ladies and gentlemen. You know him very well in New York City. Uh, in New York, East Rutherford, New Jersey, to be exact, since that's where the Giants play. There was a Super Bowl championship with Tom Coughlin in 2007. There was another Super Bowl championship in 2011 from Tom Coughlin. Outside of those two years, the vast majority of the time, the, the New York Giants were outside of the playoffs looking in. They simply hadn't made it. And as a result, with former general manager Jerry Reese, uh, with former head coach Ben McAdoo uh, replacing him, Tom Coughlin ended up being the scapegoat, let go uh, by the New York Giants and utterly and completely disgusted by that. After a year-long sabbatical, he ended up in the, as an executive VP with his old franchise, the, New, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And obviously, when you look at what transpired with that team, the way that team led by 55 takeaways, was just running roughshod over the league defensively. They had advanced to an AFC championship game, which some people think they should have won. But Blake Bortles was their quarterback, so you knew it was an accident that was waiting to happen. Ultimately, it did with his turnover-prone self. And as a result, the New England Patriots were able to survive and advance to the Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, a game in which they lost despite the fact that Tom Brady had passed over 500 yards that game. Neither here nor there. Here's what this comes down to. The Jacksonville Jaguars have been a shell of themselves ever since. They went from 55 takeaways, I'm sorry, 55 sacks to 37. Their takeaways plunged from 33 to 17 last season. And even though they were still recognized as the fourth best scoring defensive team, only allowing 19.8 a game, and ranked fifth in yards allowed at 311, you still felt like the wheels were coming off this franchise because their offense was so poor and so embarrassing, so ridiculous. The bottom line is they weren't going to win football games. And even after coming off the AFC Championship game, instead of taking care of six Pro Bowlers on the defensive side of the ball, which clearly carried them there, Tom Coughlin decided to take care of Blake Bortles. Gave him like a three-year $54 million deal. When that didn't pan out, you now have the Jacksonville Jaguars stuck in a situation where, you know what, just not to have Blake Borders on their squad is costing them about $16.5 million. So what else do they do? They go in the offseason, they sign Nick Foles. Because Nick Foles led the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl victory over the New England Patriots. Nick Foles, after Carson Wentz, the better quarterback, went down again last year because he had gone down the year before, 13 games into the season of their Super Bowl run. Last year he comes out there. And he gets hurt again. Nick Foles has to take over again. He leads them to victory in three of their final four games. Leads them to a playoff victory over the Chicago Bears before losing to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints in a divisional playoff game. And what does that do? That parlays Nick Foles into getting an exorbitant contract from the Jacksonville Jaguars. But he goes down to injury in week one. And so as a result of that, you're Jalen Ramsey. You're already frustrated enough. Because you were drafted fifth overall in 2016. Guys like Jared Goff, like a Carson Wentz, like Ezekiel Elliott were all drafted before you in the top five. All three of them got paid. Ezekiel Elliott, 50 million guarantees, a near $100 million deal. Jared, you know, you know, Carson Wentz, 107 million in guarantees. Jared Goff, 110 million in guarantees. Jalen Ramsey's making $3.6 million. Wanted to renegotiate his deal. Tom Coughlin wasn't trying to hear that. As a result, you're frustrated enough in and of itself. But then you turn around after all of that, and what do they do now? Doug Marone, Mr. Unproven, Mr. Can't Get It Done, literally at the helm while things are falling apart, decides that we're going to play 
Jalen Ramsey more zone than man-to-man, even though he clearly excels man-to-man. Show what he did to DeAndre Hopkins last week. And so not only are you compromising him and his individual excellence, you turn it around and you're losing games. So Jalen Ramsey's completely frustrated. He doesn't want to talk. Doug Maroney, as a coach, tried to talk to him, got in his face. What happened? I'll tell you what's happening. It's not really about Doug Maroney. It's really about Tom Coughlin. From what I'm being told, from what I've been told this morning, Jalen Ramsey doesn't want to play for Tom Coughlin and anything associated with Tom Coughlin. I wonder where we've heard that before. I wonder where we've heard that before. That appears to be the case right now. But according to Doug Marone, all is well. Listen to him talk about his meeting with Jalen Ramsey over the last 24 hours and being ready for tonight's game. Listen to Doug Marone, head coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, Jalen and I have always had a, a good, open relationship where we've always been able to talk. We sat down yesterday. We talked about, you know, what's going on as far as he and I. And, you know, it's like anything else in this profession. You know, it's, it's behind us now. Uh, his focus is on playing and being doing the best job for his teammates. Um, and you know, my job being able to do the best job for the team. So, you know, that, that's behind us right now. Here's the problem. Doug Marone ain't doing the best thing for the team. They started off last season, 2018, 3-1, then lost seven straight. Kansas City, Dallas, Houston, Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Buffalo Bills. Of their last five games of the regular season, they lost three of them. Tennessee, Washington, Houston. Only victories were against the Colts and the Dolphins. And then this season thus far, they've started out losing their first two games. So you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're Jalen Ramsey. You're on a five-year rookie deal. You're trying to get paid. They're sticking out their chest letting you know they got you on lock until 2021. And they don't give a damn how you feel. You ain't getting paid, even though you're the best cornerback in football right now. You ain't getting paid, even though others in your draft class are getting paid. And while you're not getting paid, we're also going to compromise your greatness as a cornerback in man-to-man coverage by putting you in zone. All the while, we're losing 12 of our last 14 games. And we're wondering why this man has a problem. Now, I'm the first one to sit up there and say, you got to conduct yourself professionally, exercising professional decorum along the way. I'm the first one to say that. I'm the first one to say that because I think that's important, particularly when you're young and African-American, because unfortunately, the actions of the few taint the many. And regardless of how unfair it may be, because that's a reality, you got to think about more than just yourself. There ain't a day that goes by that it is not somebody I want to curse out. Let me be very, very clear. But you can't do that in the world of corporate America. Now, obviously, the world of athletics and professional sports is a little bit different. But the bottom line is same, same stuff still applies. When, Anthony, when Antonio Brown is acting like a clown in Oakland, to do that while a collective bargaining agreement is going on is egregious. And it's selfish. And it compromises the objective of the players and their respective agents. That's a problem. And that level of selfishness should never be tolerated. It's inexcusable. And when you see Jalen Ramsey on the sideline jumping up and snapping at his coach after his coach got in his face, that's not a good look. So it's important to say that. It's not advisable either. It's important to say that. But let's understand something here. Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown can't be compared. Antonio Brown was playing in Pittsburgh, threw Mike Tomlin under the bus, threw Juju Smith-Schuster under the bus by revealing private DMs. Gets to Oakland, gets his guaranteed money. Now the game is played. He's whining and crying over bad feet, showing them nasty yellowish layers of, of, of coated yellowness on his feet 
because of some cryotherapy in France that was nobody's fault but his own. Then you come out and you got a helmet issue. You got a issue with the helmets that the NFL is mandating that you wear. They didn't tell you to wear one specific helmet. They gave you 40 different options. You got 89 dudes on the roster. Over 28 players on the roster in the preseason at the time that you were complaining about the helmet. And only one player, one, was threatening to retire. And beefing and whining and moaning and filing grievances against the NFL that he knew damn well he couldn't win. That was Antonio Brown. And even after he got his guaranteed money, then getting in the face of his GM, calling him a cracker. That's what he called them. They called it what they say, even though they tried to deny it. Then he turned around after that, supposed to have a meeting with John Gruden. Doesn't show up for the meeting. Drew Rosenhaus gets John Gruden and Antonio Brown on three-way. And Antonio Brown records the damn conversation and puts it on YouTube. And got some videographer giving interviews talking about you got Gruden's permission. Well, what the hell were you doing taping the call to begin with? We didn't bring that up. We didn't bring that up. Now, you might have got Gruden's permission to reveal it on social media thereafter. But while you were taping the phone call and ultimately revealed that phone call, you didn't let them know at that time. And by the way, that's illegal in the state of California. Can't tape without a consent of both parties. But that's neither here nor there because we know that Gruden wasn't going to do anything about that. The point is... There's some egregious, childish, immature, very selfish acts on the part of Antonio Brown. That is not the case here with Jalen Ramsey. That's a different ballgame. Jalen Ramsey wants to get paid, and Jalen Ramsey wants to win. And if you can't do both, how the hell are you going to then turn around and still ask him to compromise himself by having him do something that doesn't point to the level of excellence that he could put on display, which would justify the dollars he covets? If the dude is a cover corner... And very elite at what he does. And I'm here to tell you, he's got the blessing in terms of the validation aimed in his direction by none other than primetime Deion Sanders. Both of them played at Florida State. Both of them were elite corners. Deion Sanders is the best that I've ever seen, as far as I'm concerned, considering the multitude of things that he does. I think it's a legitimate argument that could be made that primetime Deion Sanders is the best football player to have ever lived. Because how many how many dudes could do offense, defense, and special teams? Deion Sanders did that. He was an elite returner, kick or punts. He could play wide receiver, just ask Michael Irvin. And oh, by the way, there's unquestionably, he was such an elite cover corner, you literally shut off one side of the football field because he was covering it by his damn self. So if we understand all of that, this arguably, arguably, is the best to have ever lived. And he's vouching for Jalen Ramsey. Let's keep that in perspective. And understand that. Understand that. Jalen Ramsey's right to one out. He's right to ask for a trade. And I think a highlight and a spotlight should be put on what the hell is Tom Coughlin doing down in Jacksonville. I mean, somebody wants to know. You come from a defensive background, but you're taking care of a bunch of people on the offense, ignoring your defensive players. What's that about? I understand. In my personal opinion, Tom Coughlin was scapegoated out of New York. I never agreed with how that went down. But that doesn't mean the man's perfect. It doesn't mean there are things he could not have done better. Let's keep that in mind. Let's be honest about that. That is my man, Stephen A. Smith. Remember, you can go to our website, WQAM, download the podcast of all the shows that you hear right here on 560 The Joe. Big news today, the Dolphins have a new starting quarterback. Josh Rosen is the man. That means Ryan Fitzpatrick going to be on the sidelines. Recently, Ryan Fitzpatrick talked about there being an elephant in the room. I think it's it's unique and different for every guy, but it's not. There are certain things, you know. There's the, the elephant in the room. I mean, there are certain things, uh, you know, whether it's the 
Minka trade or, or Laramie or Kenny or dropping the ball or, you know, throwing a, an interception, you know, that some people treat them as taboo, but it's really, you just have to be open about it and put everything out there, you know, and knowing that guys are going to make mistakes, but maybe getting to the root of why it's happening. Uh, and that that's not just for drops. That's for, you know, bad decisions, bad throws, uh, all that stuff. But I think as a whole, just over-communicating on all that and getting it out there is, is an important thing. Well, it's out there now, Ryan. You are going to be on the bench at least for a little bit this Sunday versus the Cowboys. 1 o'clock is kickoff. We've got the pregame, the postgame, the whole game right here at 560. The Joe speaking football. You know me. I love Mike Leach. It's kind of eccentric, kind of like me, kind of like my hair, kind of like my style. If you want to follow me at Twitter, at Dan Day Radio. Mike Leach recently weighed in on, of all things, Pac-12 mascots. First of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he, does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. It's unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something. I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, the husky, no chance. The beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, the ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? Did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that youth's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. Just as far as a beast alone, uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu- a buffalo's d- utterly outstanding. Did I leave any of them out? The Kugel find a way. Uh, clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh, <clears throat> and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. Wazoo and Mike Leach. I would love to have multiple beers with that guy at a dive bar here in Miami. Man, that would be a whole lot of fun. Getting back to the serious side, recently Brian Flores had a press conference. If you missed it, listen to it now. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know we've got a young nucleus that'll be here for a while. I like that group, and I think they're 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 coming together and 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 uh, and improving. And I'm excited about that group. And uh, yeah, uh, I think I think it's a good group. I would just say I've had very difficult moments. Uh, you know, growing up in a tough neighborhood, and you know, I don't want to get into all that, but um, yeah, I was I'm very prepared for for difficult moments, uh, and. Uh, I've learned I learned resiliency at a law at a, at a very early age, and I think you know when you deal with tough times, you know you want to lean on the people who you trust and uh, you know care about you and have your back, and uh, you always know that if you put your head down, work hard, things will, things normally turn around and get better. You know, as a team, you know, there was a lot of a lot of good out there. I thought, uh, especially early in the first half, but you know it's, we're making those corrections right now that we need to make, and we'll come back on. Uh, on Wednesday and, and work to improve. Look, those those conversations we have, and look, there there's there's calls that are made on a daily basis for every team about players, about you know just there's, there's talks every day. Um, but those conversations are all, all confidential. 
and they're internal. Um, I mean, I, I, I like Fitz, you know, and I like Rosen. I like a lot of players on our team. So, no, we have not had those conversations. That's where we're at. Well, now apparently Coach Flores likes Rosen a little more than Fitz Magic. Hey, that's his decision. We'll see what happens this coming Sunday. Once again, it is going to be the Dolphins versus the Cowboys. Kickoff at 1 o'clock, pregame, postgame, whole game, right here, 560 The Joe. Saturday, you've got the Canes playing Central Michigan. 4 o'clock kickoff, pregame, postgame, whole game, right here. In a few minutes, we got some preseason hockey action. The Panthers going to be taking on the Canadians in Montreal. Doug Plagans will have the call. My man Alex Dono will be in the house helping you out with some of the pregame, the game, the postgame. But real quick, I do want to mention that I love music. 560 The Joe presents the Riptide Music Festival. Powered by Ford, Broward County's 2019 signature event. It's coming to Fort Lauderdale Beach November 23rd and 24th. Headliners, the Killers. That's going to be killer. One of my all-time favorite bands, the Silver Sun Pickups, going to be performing. That is a can't miss. The 1975, the Revivalists. They're from my hometown of New Orleans. Kay Flay, she is absolutely awesome. Fuel, Real Big Fish, Soul Asylum, and more. It's Riptide Fest powered by Ford, and you can get all the details by going to our website, wqam.com. And while you're at that website, please download the podcast for this show and all the shows. Don't want to go to the website? No problem. You can get the podcast for free wherever you get your podcast and on the radio.com app. Play around on Twitter too. Follow us at 560WQAM. Not to mention, give me a follow at Dan Day Radio. I have not eaten in about a day, so I am going to go home, eat some Minez sandwiches, maybe watch some QB1 on Netflix, listen to some music, have some fun. That's the type of dude I am. I'll be back tomorrow night, though, beginning at 6 o'clock, with the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. And tomorrow is Friday, so you know it is going to be fun. Heck, I might even throw some more Mike Leach in there. You never know. Once again, thank you so much for listening. This has been the best of the Joe Show on 560 The Joe WQAM. Later, slug. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.